0: Bear Saragusa, and you are listening to the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. All right, we're sitting up in the uh, mountains of Norway. I'm sitting here with a with a guest in my living room, actually, which is exciting. Kevin Murphy, yes, sir. Appreciate you coming out.
1: Hey, it's been
0: a trip of a lifetime. That's good. I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear that. We've had we've had some fun, man. We uh, we just got back from from Sweden at Eric Pardalo's place. Unbelievable
1: place. That place is ridiculous. Magnificent. Yeah. Just uh, pictures and words cannot describe it. You have to be there. You have to, to uh, really truly see uh, the beauty of the place it's located, the craftsmanship that he puts in everything that he builds, uh, the dog handling ability that he has. Like I said, you just couldn't write an article, take a picture. I don't even know if you could take a video that would uh, do it justice. Really, yes, yeah. do it do it justice. It was, I totally agree. It's
0: an unbelievable place that you know. Eric's uh, he's a uh, uh, like a wood. Uh, what would you call it? Timber framer. Yes, timber framer. Uh, like yeah, post being art, traditional. Artesian, art, an artesian, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and uh, boy, that cabin is a work of art. I don't think I saw a single screw in that entire cabin, I think everything was put together either by mortise and tenon or, um, using those old, uh, like those old rivets that he turned into, uh, nails. It was like all iron nails, things like that, that he used for some of the paneling and things like that. It was a, it was amazing place and his dogs are amazing.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, unbelievable experience. Uh, to go there and visit. Didn't know what I was getting into. You said we were going to go to Sweden and do some predator hunting. And um, you had just recently that day when we were here in Norway, uh, showed me a shooting house and I just automatically made the assumption. That's where we were going to probably be be working from uh, a shooting house.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like the uh, those. Yeah, the little uh... That little place with the hole in the wall where you sit over a, you sit over a bait. That's a real popular way to hunt foxes over here in Norway, is you'll put out a bait and then have a motion sensor that plings in this little, you know, ice fishing shack type thing. Stick your head out and shoot the fox off the bait. That's how it's a lot of times how it's done here, but I don't, I never like doing it that way. I would much prefer running them with dogs. I think it's a little bit more sporting and certainly much, much more fun. But um, so I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves here. How did you? How did you get here? How did you come to Norway? Why? Why are you here?
1: (laughs) Well, I think it was last uh, September twenty twenty one. Some obscure fan on my uh, Facebook page, some uh, random dude, (laughs) yeah, contacted me and said, "Hey, I would like to do uh, a podcast with you sometime." And fortunate for him, I answered him within the the next two or three days, uh, which I I don't troll Facebook as much as what I should. Uh, But I do check. I will check it and see who's contacted me. And and if they have a question, I try to do my best to answer it, Mm -hmm. uh, to help them out. Mm -hmm. But um, I sent you uh, a message back and said that – I potentially, I would be interested in doing um, a podcast with, with you, but um, I had have a few bad experiences doing things remotely. i much rather meet a person face-to-face uh, in the beginning if I was going to do something or build a relationship uh, over a period of time. Sure. And uh, we eventually had a phone call, and within the first <laughs> – five, 10 minutes or so, I could tell that you were a houndsman. Yeah. You knew dogs and it was a, an immediate.
0: Yeah. We, uh, we, we got on like a house on fire pretty much right away talking about these hounds and dogs in general. It's, uh, it's one of those things that I can talk about all day, every day, and it never gets old somehow. I don't know how, but, uh, yeah, that was ex- that was exciting, and I was I was looking through. Uh, we were trying to figure out when we first started talking uh, this morning, and I was looking through that old that old message thread where we we first got into contact with each other, and it wasn't more than I think we'd been trading messages back and forth for two three weeks, and then you were like, if I wanted to come over and do some small game hunting, could that is that possible? And I was like, I might know a guy who could set that up. <laughs>
1: Then that turned into um, uh, what can you hunt now? Or I said I'm just getting over my uh, knee a knee replacement, mm. and um, I said I just got back from uh, Drummond Island on a hare hunt. Uh, that's a, a small island, hundred fifty thousand acres, uh, northern Michigan on Lake Huron, right on the Canadian border. And I come back from that, and I I, I carried a little chair with me. Uh, hunted, uh, we went into some low impact areas. Uh, um, I made it through. It, it was a little bit of struggle sometimes, but, but I made it. And, um, I was looking forward to uh, a hunting trip. Hadn't been outside the country for a while. And, uh, our sm- small game hunt turned into, well, maybe pot- potentially I could come at the end of the season and go on a lynx hunt. Yep, that's just, just, that was originally the thought, yep. Just to kind of, where I could get to know Bear on uh face-to-face basis, see how things were working, yep. and then I could build and come back uh, the following season for a true small game mm-hmm. hunt with uh, all types of obscure dog breeds that I had no idea even existed. Sure, sure. And um, started my... Um, uh process to get my Norwegian hunting license yep. uh, which for an outsider is much much easier than a true Norwegian resident. Mm-hmm. Um, so I send in my hunter safety certificate. I send in my concealed carry uh firearms permit, a copy of that. Uh also send in a shooting match that i had been in uh had to be a thousand yard match mm-hmm. i didn't think that hurt me any <laughs> that didn't hurt you at all considering the shooting test here is 100 yards yeah so uh i think uh, i think that was it yeah plus a little a little money uh very reasonable i think it was like uh 35 45 dollars mm-hmm. maybe yep. and got a permit where i could hunt a lynx and so that gave me a hunter's number mm-hmm. and got into the Norwegian hunting system. And, uh, this year when I came back, all we had to do was punch my number in, pay my fee. Mm-hmm. And I'm back in good standing with the Norwegian, um, uh, government, their, their hunting, uh, uh, process. Yep. Yeah. That went,
0: that whole process went really smoothly. It was, uh, I was, I was surprised at how little, uh, you know, how little bureaucracy slowed
1: us down there that that went seamless yeah. yeah there was never a hitch I, I, I did it online paid the money next thing i know probably two weeks or so i had written confirmation yep. and my number yep no it was uh
0: that went that went really smooth and then um yeah the uh in the process of sort of putting this trip together in my head um you know when We'd sort of set a date and I knew you were coming Uh, my first, you know, first reaction was to call my buddy Eric because I knew he had, he had some good dogs. He had some good hounds. He had some good den dogs, you know, earth dogs. And, uh, he lived in such a nice area and was just a cool dude himself. So, um, and now we're back here and we're going to go and talk to, um, a guy who breeds the dunker hounds, hopefully today. And uh, seen some roe deer, gotten to hunt over a beagle for deer, which is uh, that that that's a fun. That's the irony is not lost on me here, that uh, we're hunting hunting
1: deer over beagles. Uh, yes, <clears throat> Bear took me out uh, after we got here. We uh, uh, said let's let's go and do a short hunt here, and we'll take my young dog Mike the beagle, and he says you. Post up over here. We're gonna make a big circle on the mountainside, and hopefully, uh, run a a deer towards you. Uh, that most likely will come out at this little drain location, or on up the mountain path, um, thirty five yards away or so. And so, um, I'm standing out there. When I come to a place, it takes me a while to get a feel to get. Ingrained. The longer that I'm at a location, I have found of the uh, places I've been, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, South Africa, Mongolia, the stronger I get, yeah. the more at ease yeah. I feel. It sure. takes me a warming up period yeah. um, to get really acclimated to this, the uh, events that are happening, mm-hmm. the action, the culture, all that. So. The first day, is like, okay, I'm standing out here. Uh, I chose not to bring a firearm over here. Uh, there is a process of application, serial numbers, all that. Traveling with a firearm is uh, a hassle. Uh, even in the States, I have been held up uh, on two or three hunting trips because of firearm issue Checking them in, checking them out of baggage yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. So I just asked, said, hey, I'll just not not pack one. Mm-hmm. So um I'm sitting there with uh, a double barrel shotgun, posted up, waiting for a beagle to run a deer over the top of me. Something that's Truly against my nature <laughs> uh. <laughs> is to have a beagle push a deer in front of me where I could shoot it with a shotgun. Right. So uh, I look up 35 yards away and there's this roe deer looking at me. My first roe deer face to face in my life. and It is like, oh, shit. <laughs> so. I'm trying to get my brain in order, bring the gun up, the deer. Instead of going full keep on across the road, it decides to turn backwards, which I find very, um, you know, after thinking about that, that was very unusual for that deer to turn around instead of just go on. Yeah. On the thing, but it it turned around, and uh, I missed the shot. And uh, it was just like, it's still in my process. You know, it probably means – uh, as much to my memory as missing the deer as if I would have got it. Yeah. You know, that's there's certain misses in my lifetime that I've done. I still remember two sage grouse that I missed that were uh, neck and neck flying, that it should have been a shot where I killed two right. after thinking about it. But after being up for like 36 hours from Kentucky to Wyoming yeah. and turning a bird dog loose with uh, my Garmin uh, with no battery life. But just a flicker yep. left in it was a bad decision on my part, <laughs> and I paid for it with a, a miss of two sage grouse flying side to side. Right. Sage grouse has a season of about eight days oh. in Wyoming, yeah, yeah, yeah. so but it's very vivid. Yeah,
0: no, it's uh, that was a, that was a fun experience because you know I've been you know, Mike's just a little guy; he's only seven months old, and it was fun to uh, fun to see him, you know been spending a lot of time out there with him. He's had some good road deer races and, but it, it's been real sort of inconsistent. Some days he's a hunting dog and other days he's a puppy chasing butterflies and chewing on sticks and things like that. So it was, it was a lot of fun to have, you know, it was a luxury for me. Cause you know, normally I'm walking with him with a gun and then there's very little chance that we're going to have a deer, you know, circle back. As you say, I mean, once he's, if he's off in front of me somewhere, it's rare that that deer going to then turn around and go back towards the dog or back towards me. So it was really cool for me to have somebody that I could put out and, you know, cause I know where they, I've run enough of them so that I, I have a, I have a good guess of where they're going to pop out. And, um, I tried to place you between two places where they pop out fairly frequently within about 70, 80 yards of each other. And w- was kind of hoping that if I put you in the middle, that something would present itself. And, you know, just uh, sort of the proof. It, it was fun just as a proof of concept It actually worked out the way that it did. Yeah, that was fun. We're going to try and maybe get out after another one here in the next
1: couple of days. See if we can do that. Do that again. Yes, I bet. In my conscience, it is all right to shoot a deer running in front of a beagle and with a shotgun. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I've, uh, got, I've got my con- con- conscious, my uh, hard drive in my head and said, Hey, that is a practical application.
0: Gotcha. So, so what you're, what you're saying is that you're going to go home and, and turn your beagle pack into a, a, a deer beagle pack or may, or have I
1: read the situation wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my intent is to go on my first deer dog hunt, uh, this, uh, winter, uh, oh, cool. down in Arkansas. So, cool. um, uh, that, that has always been a, a bucket list item for me is to go on a deer dog hunt. So, uh, by design not by accident um that right. that we have occasionally with our beagles back home especially a young a young beagle and um so um i hope to spend four or five days down in the uh mountains of arkansas uh, with a pack of hounds uh, chasing chasing deer for three or four days Yep.
0: Yeah. so that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun because are, are they what are they running for dogs down there are those running walkers are they kind of coyote
1: type dogs or are they it's a black I've seen pictures of the dogs they are black and tan okay. uh, dogs uh, I think they might be plots okay. is what I think they might be I don't know if they're plots trigs uh, there is no the the pictures of the dogs that I've seen are no walker colorations so. Um, I was on a job down in Texarkana, uh, and for, for 10 days, I passed a uh, a hunter's home with his hunting rig, a Nissan Xterra, uh, chopped off, have a dog box on the back, and I, I would drive by early in the morning, 6.30 or so, and see that rig sitting there. And I was trying to imagine every single day what type of hunter might live at that homestead. Sure, sure. And uh, on the 10th day, uh, we got rained out of our job, got finished early, and I had some extra time. So I stopped in, knocked on the door, and become friends with the uh, uh, dog owner. He had beagles. And he had a Walker coon hound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we immediately bonded. And uh, before it was all like, over with, like dog people tend <laughs> to do, it, yeah. I talked my, myself into another hunting trip. That's so, awesome. uh, and in the way that I do that, you know, I, I'm not uh, uh, afraid to ask somebody to, to go hunting with them. And in return, if they want to go hunting with me, my door is always open right to them. So that's how, uh, it's, a a, um, I guess you would say a take and give world on that part where, you know, I'll, I'll take part and then I'll give my, uh, services back in return.
0: Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes, that makes sense. I, I think it's cool. You know, there's, I love getting people over here to, you know, to come and hunt with me. There's not a lot of people who hunt hounds in my immediate area. And if they do, they're hunting hare. Um, which is cool, you know. I mean that that that's really cool. Um, I've done that, and it's that that that's some good fun. But um, you know, a lot of the species that I like to hunt are are being preyed on by the foxes, which are just basically running around unchecked here. There's not a lot of people hunting them anymore. So things like the ptarmigan, the foxes have eaten so many ptarmigan that we actually don't even have a season this year because there's so few of them. And, um, you know, they prey on the roe deer, uh, when they're real little and, you know, in the snow though, they can even kill a roe deer in the deep snow. So, uh, the, I I focused quite a bit on the foxes these last years, uh, because of that, but it was, it was really exciting to kind of get somebody to come out here. And I think it's pretty cool that you just, uh, you know, I, I could have been some, what was that guy's name from Silence of the Lambs? Buffalo Bill character? You know, you you, you had no idea what you were coming to. I,
1: I had you pegged as the the guy on uh, the girl with a a dragon tattoo since you were yeah. Norwegian. That's okay. that's whoever that character was in that movie. Is uh, my GPS led me up on on the side of the mountain to the uh, abandoned homestead that had a few vague tire tracks in it. These, my mind is starting to flash this is not normal but it is normal for a, a gps uh to lead you off the beaten path once you get into a rural area yeah. so i was at a 50/50 okay is this good <laughs> good or bad <laughs> And I happened to, uh, the first person I run into was one of your neighbors who gave me good, clear direction on where you live.
0: Yeah, you met the only uh, the only anti-hunting neighbor I have, unfortunately. It was like a bead of honey, just boom, right there. First, first Norwegian you meet up here was uh, my neighbor who
1: can't stand me or hunting. <laughs> And informed me that uh, Bear did not have a silencer. So I knew her hunting skill uh, level. That uh, instead of being a suppressor, it was uh, she called it a silencer. Been watching way too many uh, movies and documentaries uh, on guns. And, uh, oh, of course, because guns guns don't need to make any noise at all. All you're
0: supposed to hear is that
1: pew pew
0: that you hear in CSI correct no she's she's too funny she called uh she called the police on me for hunting right next to her house is what she said and uh the police rolled up while i was gutting a deer and i was half what would that be 500, 500 yards away from her house oh i would <laughs> i mean at least six probably six seven hundred yards i, I would away say
1: yes six seven hundred yards way uh... off
0: in the woods and it, you could uh boy, the police were not, not happy when they showed up. Cause they were like, is this where you shot this deer from? I was like, Oh yeah, I was right over there. I could show them my, my backpack was still over there, but you could see the tracks and the frost and they were like, all right, well, sorry to bother you, sir. And then they went over there and I could hear them. Yeah. I could hear them yelling back and forth with the neighbor for a while. So she's, she's something else. She's, she's, uh, she's, uh, she's, uh, got some good horses and they're, uh, she, she runs those Icelandic horses. So she's got two or three of those guys and, and, uh, yeah, no, she's, uh,
1: she's, she's funny. You know, that's on my list to, to ride an Icelandic horse, just like a Viking in Norway. Yep. So hopefully, uh, before this is all over with, I can just sit on watch. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We're, I'm working on that
0: as we speak, actually waiting for a reply from our neighbors across the way here who have, um. Oh, I think they've got six or seven of them at this
1: point. Yeah, I I was able to see those back in I think it was uh, 2010 that the equestrian games came to uh, Kentucky and uh, the horse park at Lexington, Kentucky uh, hosted that. They had horses from all over the world and they had a small herd of Icelandic mm-hmm. uh, horses there. Cool. And I got to see them perform. Cool. Wow. Yeah. No,
0: they're they're cool little horses. I mean, they're 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 as sure-footed as anything. They've got this funny little shuffle gate. It's it's, yes. it's the darnest thing to to see. You know, if you you see pictures of them, and they just look like they're flying. They just look like they're just going all out. And then you'll actually pass you doing that gate, and you know they're they're moving their legs awful fast, but they're not getting very they're not getting anywhere too quickly. They're uh they're 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 pretty s- pretty slow, but they're cool 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 animals. Um, so yeah, we're gonna try and make that happen in the next day or so here.
1: Yeah, I'd like to ride one of those little shaggy creatures. Somewhere.
0: Yeah, they're fu- they're funny and they're they're such they're such personality. They're kind of like the beagle of the horse world. They're a little, ton of personality, and yeah, just tougher than anything. Yeah, they're they're, they're pretty cool.
1: This is a tough country. Uh, I asked Bear last night. I says, "Everyone I see here is long and lanky, and out walking." Uh, doing something physical. I mean, I see I'm I just I'm overwhelmed at the amount of people and they just may be on the side of the road and you can kind of tell they're doing a chore. They've got uh, a package in their hands or something and they're walking and it is something you don't see in the US. Yeah. People out and about just everywhere and um, yeah. It's it's uh, truly amazing. And Then honey with Eric uh, it was unbelievable. He's a long, lanky character oh and trying to keep up with him. Uh, we were, we were walking out of camp one night, we'd get up early in the morning and hunt, come back in, uh, eat a little lunch, take a nap, and then go back out at night. It was, it was a pretty good grind of hunting. I enjoyed it immensely. But as we were walking out one night, uh, Barry, you were telling me about, said, Hey, if you remember that story about that, that frontiersman. That the indians caught and they were going to have fun with him and have the game and they gave him like a head start Mm -hmm. uh, of so so much length or time or whatever and the indians soon realized that they had messed up yeah (laughs) (laughs) that this frontiersman was very cagey and could run like the wind and they had to break their promise on how how much of a head start they gave him and took it took off and he eventually escaped from him so eric is of that caliber if uh, he was captured you would not want to give him much of a head start because he would he would leave you in the dust
0: i think you'd probably want to uh you'd probably want to cripple him up a little bit even without a head start i think he'd get away from you yeah now he's uh <clears throat> that guy's got 10 10 foot strides and His dogs are the exact same way he and his, I mean, it's, it's, you know, they say that dogs and their owner can resemble each other after a while. Those dogs are real similar to Eric. Yes. Long, Uh, lanky,
1: cover a lot of ground with each stride. Super athletes. Uh, But he's got the hodgepodge of the dogs. Uh, He has the interior, Mm -hmm. which is gritty and cunning. Yeah and able to get in places that unbelievable unbelievable so yeah. much like the owner
0: yeah oh absolutely yeah and the the terriers are funny those they're such cool little dogs and they just so much personality and so gritty i mean re- really ridiculously gritty so we had you know we started the morning uh on that first day and within 10 minutes really it must have been within 10 minutes of when he dropped us on the road uh, to to find a good place along these these game paths that we had a we had a fox on its feet that dog that young dog of his gunner had a fox on its feet and that fox denned under some stone under some big boulder in this little boulder field and he sent those den dog or one of those den dogs tiny little black little black female camp i think she weighs 10 pounds teeny tiny and she just went right in there and, you know, I, I've seen den dogs work. I didn't, I've not seen a real good den dog work a fox, apparently, because this was something totally different. She went in there and just all
1: hell broke loose. <laughs> it was, that was cool. But she's a, uh, this is something that I learned. I just thought, a, uh, a, a earth dog that some people call interiors, whatever they would just go in and, and 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 do the business but you know as she did she was a flusher mm-hmm. so she went in and circled a couple times around and around and got in and then like you said she went in there and then confronted the the, the fox once she saw that she couldn't get it to bolt mm-hmm. from from the den mm-hmm. and and got in there and uh, yeah it was truly amazing to see i just fell in love with this petite um uh, four and a half kilo dog yeah as the call yeah that's right yeah uh, uh so uh yes um, um I, I i so much when i go and one of the main reasons why I, I, I wanted to come over here is to see i wanted to hunt uh all of the, the species that i could with all the different dogs right i wanted to see the different dog varieties And see something that I had never seen that a lot of Americans would never, ever witness or even know existed. Um, uh, I've I've been on, starting the first of the year, I went on a hunt out in New Mexico with some running dogs. Something that I had never been privileged to do before. Uh, They call them long dogs. Some people might call them sight dogs. Uh, Salukis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Greyhounds, um, some uh, other uh, wolfhound, different breeds bred into them, never ever will I look at a greyhound or a Saluki on the leash in town and not realize now that they are just one generation of being out in the open desert running a jackrabbit at right. 40 plus miles per hour. unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is uh, just just something that um, was truly magnificent and made it got into my blood. If all things work out for me, I'll be back out there sometime between now and March and spend a few days uh, with my friends that I made on a uh, first time um, um uh, uh meeting on uh instagram or uh uh messenger mm-hmm. as a young young boy adrian red that yeah. contacted me and said hey i have the beagles he saw he saw the episode where i was hunting with uh uh out in uh, new mexico with my beagles trying to see if i could get them to work oh the, the meat eater episode yeah yes yep. with 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 with, uh, with, with steve and his gang out there and he invited me to come out and go hunting with him and i took him up on right. the offers offer and met him uh seth hall yeah seth's a cool guy <laughs> got to meet seth out there he is a cool guy and uh um, david heiss <laughs> and yep. uh, david's son that um hunts with seth
0: okay all yep. great people yep.
1: and uh, uh Chris, uh, she is, uh, the, the Saluki lady. Uh, her last name, uh, escapes me right now, but, um, uh, you know, dog people just instantly bond. Yeah. Oh, they do. Uh, wherever I have been and hunted, uh, not so much, uh, opportunities, um, Outside the country, I'm I'm looking for more opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. But uh, anywhere in the U.S., Canada, I go. Dog people just have this instant attraction, clan type attraction where we get it. We're all on the same bandwidth Mm -hmm. and we see our dogs. We appreciate our dogs. We don't really, we may hunt a little bit without our dog, but our true passion is our hands.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was one of the things, you know, when I moved here, I wasn't into the hounds, but I was into the sled dogs and that was one of the saving graces for me moving here, you know, moving away from my friends, family supports, you know, everything that I knew to move here to, you know, the mountains of Norway, the socially, the saving grace for me was just dog people can talk dogs. It's, it's a sort of, you know, transcends cultural barriers and things like that. So I had, you know, I had a whole group of people, dog mushers, that I had a ton in common with, and we could talk dogs. Like, it was the first thing I talked about here with other, was dogs.
1: Yeah, I think we could probably broaden that category into working dog yeah, people. I, th- I think so. Uh, yeah. They, yeah. They, they, their their dog has a true purpose yeah. in their life, other than companionship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look at our dogs in a different way. Uh, their, the dog life is fulfilled. Um, uh, uh, in a different way because they have a mission mm-hmm. what they were truly made to do absolutely a function in life and um, those dogs to me uh, their life is just so much better by doing that mm-hmm. giving them a purpose yep yep no I, I totally agree totally totally agree it's um
0: it, it's a different type of person it's a different type of dog there's a different mentality um you know, and, and you can get a little bit with the agility agility people too, but that's you know, taking nothing away from them, that's that that's its own that's its own animal that yes, <laughs> the agility yes, stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking more about the as you say, the the real working dogs, the the the, the sheep dogs, the hunting dogs, the bird dogs, the hounds, the huskies, the you know,
1: bomb sniffing dogs, stuff like that. It's just a they are the warrior category. The warrior category, yeah. Uh, that you know that you can turn your dog loose and it might not come back. Yeah. And that's always in uh, a working dog's mind. Yeah. Hey, I can free cast my dog to go out there. Maybe he's he's doing a mission, like you said, stiffing a bomb, something he's trained to do uh, after a bear. Mm-hmm. Could even be running after a hare and jab a stop or stick through it. Sure. I had my, one of my close friends back home, uh, Grant Black, coon hunter from, from the day he was born till the day he passed way, He would He's a coon hunter. Yep. yep. Uh, he had two outstanding hounds, both impaled by a sapling. Oh, my in there. Uh, And it's just a chance that we take yep. with our dogs. We know that going in. Sure. We try to keep them as clear from danger as we can when they do get hurt. We provide assistance to them there, but we just know that's part being a realist that they can get hurt. They're not gonna be here forever. Right. And when we lose them, we try to get another one to replace it. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I agree with
0: that. You know, and, and like the we've seen that already here while you've been here. We had uh we went out moose hunting over Norwegian elk counts Saturday? let's see I'm, I'm i think it was saturday i yeah. think you're right yes so yes four, four, three four days ago four five days ago and you know one of the dogs that we were going to use uh was on the injured list because he had you know jumped down from this little you know this little precipice thing you know just three four feet down but he landed on a pile of sticks and got a stick into his knee all the way up into his groin uh so he was uh he had a drain in there and was uh, on the injured list. So we, we used, uh, we used the young dog. Boris. 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 Boris with three R's is what they say. Boris. Yeah. And, uh, he's an inexperienced guy and with a real experienced owner. So it's going to be fun to see how he develops as this season goes on there. We got, we got the most of uh, the the guys we hunted with are on my moose hunting team, and we've gotten enough meat for everybody on the team. And now we're into puppy training mode. Uh, it seems like and, and putting some time into those young dogs, which is which is always interesting, but not necessarily the best way to get a moose <laughs> a moose on the ground.
1: But but being a hunter, I know that you have to put that time in on your puppies. Because uh, if you if you don't, then you'll end up without a, um, a, a, a working dog that can do his task. Right. He's got to learn just like uh, children. You know, your beagle, Mike's just seven months old. He's nothing but a puppy. Okay. I mean, he's no more than that. And uh, from what I've seen out of him, he's he's excelling. And you know, and all it's going to take is some time yep. in the field. Yep. You know, some days where you don't get anything, days that he learns as he gets stronger and matures Mm -hmm. and figures out exactly what you want him to do Mm -hmm. or what comes, as Eric says, uh, he becomes awakened. I have seen that in dogs all my life where just one instance you go out there, they are a puppy and something happens. The switch turns on and they forever are a hunting
0: dog. Absolutely. And I mean, we won't, uh, yeah, without going into too much detail, we saw, we saw that with, uh, that gunner dog of Eric's. Yes, where yes, we yes. saw we saw him go from a very good a very good dog who was doing his job well to we saw him then click into this is what I live for. is what we saw happen. Yes. Yes. And that dog, the intensity and the drive in that dog on day 3 versus on day 1. I mean, he was good on day one. We got two foxes for that dog on day one, but that second fox we got, that uh, as, Eric, as Eric said, that he went into beast mode on that one. <laughs> He's uh, it seems like that's his default setting now. It was funny because he was, and he in the he had a pack of dogs, Eric, you know, and we only let one one loose at a time. Um, but you know, he had four hounds, four big hounds, and then the two terriers. And you know this this dog that we were hunting was uh, the first day was cl- clear fairly clearly the lowest on that totem pole of like the in in the
1: rankings there. Yes, his confidence level you could just tell. Yeah, he was he was in the picking order. Sure, he was at the bottom. Yeah, the pool. he was at the bottom, and then he went into
0: beast mode on this fox. Came home immediately, picked a fight with one of the older dogs. He was he was feeling pretty good about himself. And uh, but I mean, it was what was so cool about it, it's like. You got a pack of hounds running loose. You got a young dog that starts to starts to pick a fight. And I mean, Eric basically just needed to clear his throat for the, all those. I mean, situation detoxed, like bomb defused, no issues. It was the control that guy has over his dogs is, and in a good way, it's, you know, it's not control in the sense that, you know, he's beating them into submission. He that those dogs, the sun rises and sets.
1: On Eric, yeah th- there's no doubt that he is the alpha male dog of the pack. Mm-hmm. They look up to him as that. it could be anywhere from just the tone mm-hmm. of his voice to just being in presence or just looking eye contact with him there. yeah, and uh, it is truly truly amazing uh the control that he has over those dogs and the love that you can tell in his heart mm. that he has for his
0: dog, absolutely. And I mean, absolutely. And you could just see by how every dog just looked at him with these big,
1: adoring. I mean, he was the he was God to those dogs. And those dogs, like relationship to me, mm. seeing me for the first time, they just. You know, they wanted affection from me. I mean, they are people, dogs. They're these great big giant dogs that you wouldn't think would be like, you know. Uh, the, the category of dogs that I see out there, there's two types of dogs. There's dogs that hunt for themselves and there's dogs that hunt for the owners. Uh, every one of those dogs hunt for their owners. Yep. There's There's no doubt. To different degrees, yes, some have a little bit more spunk than the others. Uh, But I have had dogs before that when you turn them loose, they're going to catch something for them. They are no fun to hunt with unless you are a young person or have a really good horse. Right. (laughs) Because you're going to spend all your time going to those dogs, trying to control them, and it is no fun if you're 63 years old like me. I want a dog that hunts for me. Right. Uh, but is that, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they all hunt for him. Yep. yeah, No, but
0: that's another thing that, uh, impressed me about that trip is, you know, you, you talk about that you're getting a little older, you had a knee replacement, you know, stuff like that. It felt like you were slowing down a little bit. I didn't see any sign of that you hit, you were up at, Five o'clock in the morning and up until one o'clock in the morning, every night hunting foxes in and out, running all over the place. I mean, if this is Kevin Murphy slowed down,
1: I wouldn't want to try to keep up with Kevin Murphy from (laughs) 10 years ago. In my day, I have ground many people into the ground on purpose. I hate <laughs> to say, I hate to say that. I cannot do that no more. I do my best to try to keep up. But yes, in my younger days, I would just see how much some people could could take. Yeah, and uh, i remember there was I was uh, uh, grouse hunting up in the UP. Uh, I think it was Ottawa uh, National Forest, and there was uh, a older grouse hunter. There, Harold Banks. He's from up around Eastern Kentucky. Raises some excellent uh, bird dogs, and um, I probably back then I was I guess I was like fifty two. I think I had just retired, and we went out on a hunt and started that morning. Nine o'clock probably didn't come in to like five that afternoon. Sure, I saw some excellent bird dog work. We probably got up. Forty five, fifty grouse—the yeah. most I've ever seen in my lifetime, wow. right there. Wow. Wow. But, but that night in camp, Harold, like death, warmed over. But he made every <laughs> single step, and it, I, there's no way I could do that. Right. What what he did, and he was probably like probably about sixty three yeah. at that time, wow. just super tough. And that's another thing that that I see about the houndsmen—they're tough. They're tough. They're tough. They follow their dogs, and they're as tough as as their dogs.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was. That last fox we got went down into this big pile of boulders and, you know, it was 10 o'clock at night. Probably we'd been going hard for a couple of days and, uh, you know, Eric just, he just starts tossing boulders like some, you know, mythical giant digs like a his way. on the, on the yeah. side of a mountain, right? On the side of a mountain, a Viking, he digs his way all the way down through this big pile of boulders. And in the end, he's like, here, grab my feet. And he just like dives down in there and I've got a hold of his feet. His feet are sticking up in the air. <laughs> he says, all right, pull. And I pull him, you know, I start pulling him out. He comes out with his fox. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They're, uh, yeah, houndsmen are tough, man. Yeah. You know, the, it's just the ability to, it's the ability to grind. And, you know, part, part of it too, I think is that I should put it, put it this way. Not all houndsmen are tough but the good ones are tough. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, if you're expecting grit and, you know, drive from your dogs and you don't have it yourself, unless you've got one of those dogs, like you talked about, that hunts for itself, your dogs are not going to have grit and intensity. They're going to be soft. Yep. And, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was, that was a lot of fun, man. I was like, I kept saying it to him. You're going to get me in trouble here because I'm having too much fun. This this is going to negatively affect my marriage when I come home two weeks from now with a terrier puppy and
1: <laughs> a couple more hounds. This was an added bonus. I had really uh, no idea. I just wrapped my head around Norway. This is what we're going to do. And then the last conversation or two that we had while I was still in the States, you said, well we may pop over in Sweden and hunt with my friend yeah. over there and do some predator hunting and things. And, um, I lit up. I did not show him. I did not ask any more questions whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I feel when I go on an adventure, there's a, there's a lot to, to adventure if I just don't know what's going on. I'm the type of guy that really wants to know what's going on mm-hmm. all the time, but it's just better. Just, I go with the flow yeah. with what happens happens. And uh, that was, um, as I told uh, Barris's, man, this is at the same level as my trip to South Africa. Right. I said, because I'm hunting with dogs. Uh, the only time I got to do any hunting uh, with dogs in South Africa, I my intentions were to go on a bird hunt down there with some dogs, but it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, one day, sh- I shot a wilderness meese uh, and crippled it. Later on, what we found is had bullet failure. If you go to Africa, here's a pro tip that from the guides directly, uh, do not bring soft bullets to uh, Africa. Make sure you have something similar to a uh, swift A-frame or a nozzler type bullet um, that will hold up to the big boned animals of South Africa that have a uh, hundred times the adrenaline of a white-tailed deer.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had made the, a shot. And that's, that's literal. That's not
1: something you're saying. They have a hundred times the adrenaline of white-tailed deer. Yes, yes. That's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, I made a good shot on a wildebeest, knocked it down. The guide gave me a high five. Next thing we know, the wildebeest is up and going, um, to make a long sh- story short, he called in a, uh, a german short-haired pointer a gsp tracking dog after some time we turned it loose the tracking dog got the wildebeest up i made a very quick shot on it even before the guide could get the safety shot off and brought the wildebeest down and uh, other than that um, hunting fox over hounds special hounds um, especially bred to hunt fox in endure uh, the environment of uh, predators and the conditions of Sweden. Yeah, uh, just spectacular, majestic-looking dogs. I still cannot get them out of my mind to see how those dogs. I've been around a lot of hounds in the states, but these compare to none of those hounds to any degree yeah. whatsoever. It's. I mean, they're they're
0: almost like m- mutants. It, it's like comparing Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime to a normal human being. I mean, it's, it's just like the physique on those dogs is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. If
1: you could take Arnold and cross it with a marathon runner. Right. <laughs> have the strength of Arnold with the legs of a marathon runner. Right. That's what right. those dogs are. Yeah.
0: I mean, these were like the Michael Phelps of the dog world. They were just like, you know, uh, r- just ridiculous. Um, yeah. Such, such cool dogs. I've, I've uh, a couple of times have. Been real close to getting getting a dog from eric and uh at some point it's going to work out here uh with some pups
1: yeah uh, he has a special name for them, right he calls his dogs his dogs correct? yeah he's he calls them
0: hool hounds and hool is where he lives and uh the hound you know he so he combined the hool hounds and then he the kennel motto is hool hounds are high yield And I've witnessed
1: that for sure.
0: They're high yield. (laughs) So yeah, no, he, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And we went up and talked to, before we left, uh, for Sweden, we went up and talked to a, um, the hunting, the national hunting organization here. Uh, they have a lot of local clubs and the local club that I'm affiliated with, they had an introduction hunt where they'll get new hunters who have never done a, a particular type of hunting. And get them out and show them how to do it, do some instructional stuff. And they had an instruction hunt, an introduction hunt for a small game, uh, for last weekend. So on Friday night, Kevin and I drove up to the mountains and ate dinner with them. And, uh, Kevin got to talk a little bit about, uh, small game hunting and his passion for that to them, which they, they appreciated a bunch. They're, you know, typical Norwegians, kind of quiet. You got to eat that. The sour cream porridge, which I was real uncertain whether you're going to like or not.
1: <laughs> yes. Before I even put it in my mouth, Bear had, had talked me into, hey, this is not going to be to your taste. And I am a foodie. I have um, love when I go hunting. I love and I want to eat where the locals eat, what the local food is. I don't cure anything. Not that I won't go out to some fancy well-known spot just to try it. But if I had the choice, I would rather just go to any, what the local regular table fair is. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, that porridge, I, I couldn't imagine. I was trying to say, you told me, I think it was a uh, sour cream base. Is that yep, right? That, that's exactly, I mean, it's
0: mainly what it is. It's sour cream uh, cooked down.
1: I put it in my mouth and tasted it. Uh, they had sugar and cinnamon there and butter. And somebody said, do you want to do that? And I am a sugar, cinnamon, butter junkie. <laughs> I said, no, I, I, let me have this first first taste yep. uh, uh, portion on its own. Yep. And immediately when I took a bite of it, it was like this batter, sauce smooth and silky, like something I had never had in my mouth. But then it did. It tasted Reminded me of something, and finally, like you said, it's well like Alfredo sauce. Yeah, I said yes. If it had some, some, some macaroni here right now, pasta of some type, and just a little bit of any type of of cheese with flavor in it, yeah, to cheddar, put in, parmesan, yeah, yeah like it, yep. It, yep. anything, it would immediately bond it in there. Yep. So um, I ate the porridge, the the uh, flatbread. He, yeah, the flatbread that he tried to tell me. I said, man, all this is is a Pringles without any salt. Yeah, it's it's, uh,
0: what they used to do is they used to make like stacks of it. And it was literally like they'd stack it like firewood. They'd make these great big sheets of like potato uh, batter, Um, you know, because potato was a high yield crop here. And they would uh, they would bake them like in the on top of the stove, just like, you know, pour it on top of the stove and and bake these you know what they call uh flatbread or flatbread
1: like a cracker like a cracker basically this you know
0: like and they were huge sheets of them they would they would make these like four by four sheets of cracker and stack them in the back of the house and that's what they would you know a lot of times that would that's what they would eat for for bread it would go with soups and things like that so you got served you got served the traditional norwegian sour cream porridge with the traditional norwegian potato flatbread Pringle with no salt and then the, uh, the, uh, spic So which is like, um, uh, yeah, like a hard, hard salami type t- similar to real similar to salami pepperoni, like a hard, a hard salami type sausage with, um, I think what we had was, was red deer moose and reindeer. Different sausages. Yes, that's what served it, that's together with it. Which is, I mean, that's as traditional a right. Norwegian meal as you can possibly have.
1: And we had, uh, was it uh, lingberry jelly or yeah, um, yeah, that yep. too. Uh, and that was not a new one for me, folks. Um, one of my friends that has been to Czechoslovakia a couple times for a Christmas present, um, Zach Zach Hines uh him and his wife Dawn sent me a care package right around Christmas time and it had some lingberry uh, jam from Czechoslovakia. You know, is that right in the end. so yeah. i've got i've got a, a small portion of that ho- left at home in uh, my refrigerator
0: yeah cuz that was the first thing that eric did when we got there is he served us uh, he showed us how to make on a campfire i cannot remember what he called it uh, the name escapes me it names uh, escapes me as well but it was like it was, it was cubed bacon first that you cooked on a, on a cast iron pan on this long stick. So you, this little, you know, sort of tea soup bowl size cast iron pan that on this, with this great big long handle that you would stick over the fire. And we cooked up cube bacon in that first. And then just right on top of the cube bacon with all the, you know, all the, all the fat and stuff, all, you know, all the grease that you sort of rendered out of it, he poured like flour based pancake batter
1: potato based potato was it potato, potato based yeah, okay yeah, yeah potato
0: potato based pancake uh, batter and once you flipped that he put that brown cheese that rendered down caramelized uh, goat and um goat and cow milk cheese on top of that and then a Ill- liberally added that lingberry jam and
1: That cheese is like a carnation condensed milk. It it, it is, yeah. It's so sweet, yeah. And man, that was good. That was good. Yeah, that set the tone for our, our whole experience. Right off the bat, campfire outside this magnificent, magnificent cabin. Unbelievable craftsmanship. Yeah. And by far the fanciest outhouse i have ever seen anywhere in my entire life it uh, looks like the sydney opera house doesn't yeah, it yeah. it's like it's it's a work of art you know when i first saw i looked at it and uh, i thought you know how did he come up with that design or whatever and then finally he told me that he uh, he had been a uh, cad operator since uh the early 90s and he used that in his business and stuff and then i asked him I says you drove that outhouse up on the, on a cad he says you can draw anything with the cat. Yeah, he says building it. And sometimes you run into trouble, right? But you can draw, you can draw it up there. So I find that very amusing. Um, me being uh, a uh, guy that appreciates infrastructure that has to deal with, with uh, human waste, mm. uh, a, a water wastewater operator, and one of the things that I, I like to do is look at infrastructure when I go to. Um, uh, on my adventures, and one of the things I noticed here driving into Bear's house was these huge uh, concrete tanks located randomly around these farmsteads. Yep, and I was trying to think, I said, They, they must be some kind of uh, animal waste containment or mm-hmm. whatever. I, I couldn't, that's the only thing that I could think of. And then um, finally, we were out one day, and I was with his friend Simon that was showing me around. Yeah. And we walked by one and then Simon explained to me how they worked and how um, farmsteads were regulated here with the amount of animals they could have, and they would have to have so many tanks to accommodate them for their, for their herd on the farms.
0: So they'll, they'll take all the manure and they'll put it into those tanks and mix it with water and and make like a slurry that they then spray out over the fields uh, multiple times a year to fertilize the field that's how they do the fertilization here is is this uh yeah manure slurry which stinks to high heaven but it works works great yeah.
1: <clears throat>
0: but yeah you had an unusual experience because that first day that you were here i still had an uh one more day of work before i i was able to take off for a little bit and um so you went out with my with my buddy simon from australia he lives in norway I'm married to a norwegian
1: but he's from australia you guys had an unusual experience. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we uh driving up the mountainside. The first thing we see is a game bird get up. And yep. Simon says, Yeah, expect to see some more up here. Uh, we parked the car some distance away from the location that we're going. Uh, very gently, just ease the door shut. That's one thing that folks, when you're out about the outdoors, just try to get in a habit of uh, when you shut the door just easy nice uh, the door slamming things a true giveaway to critters that know people are present so uh, just try to get yourself in a habit to do that of doing that uh, and you i think you'll see a, a little bit more wildlife Yep. but we eased the door shut and eased up through there uh, jumped a couple more birds out of the top of the tree Took straight across the field we were trying to go to a mountaintop see what kind of game sign that we possibly might see up there uh, and we come walking across and here's a young bull moose laying on the ground uh, in pristine shape as far as muscle content everything looks okay on it uh we see no sign of injuries bullet holes the birds had just got to it and had started pecking on its eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw where it had been down and struggled for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing—nothing uh, nothing out of the ordinary. Yep. It's just—I mean, everything is out of the ordinary. But due to its death, we could not uh, do any forensic identification. Right, cause by, of death is yeah, a, yeah, a big question. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just a uh, appeared to be a healthy moose. Me not knowing sizes of moose or whatever, I think it was uh, a four pointer. Yep, that's right. And yeah. so uh, just a uh, t- two year old. Yeah. yeah. The closest I'd ever been to the moose, other than the night before that I had some moose here at Bear's House. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's
0: right. Yeah. So,
1: uh, um, um, in which I have eaten moose um, four or five times so far on yeah. the burger. Last night we had some, what I thought was, uh, sausage and gravy with just the exactly right amount of seasoning sage into it. And then bear buses my bubble and says, you're not a true foodie because there's no sage. In <laughs> I definitely didn't say that, but uh, no, there was no sage. in it. I spent, but that, that, that's been
0: a 10 year process of me like trial and error. Cause it's hard to get sage here, Uh trial and error playing with different spice combinations to try and get something as close to that sort of, you know, mom and pop diner breakfast sausage taste as, as I could get and finally figured out a combination that I, that I thought was, I, I thought was getting pretty close. And, uh, I was, I was tickled pink to see if I figure if I can fool, if I can fool Kevin Murphy, uh, a a, a biscuit enthusiast, biscuit and gravy and gravy yeah. enthusiast, then then I must be doing something right. I was happy about that.
1: <laughs> and I truly believe if you are an outdoorsman, a uh, houndsman's for sure, that you need to know how to make uh, what we call in the South uh, a cathead biscuit and a gravy to match to go with it because it is a staple back home. Uh, a working guy's type uh, meal mm-hmm. that will hold you all through to lunchtime. And uh, it was truly, truly a a treat to eat that last night. And I said something about um, sausage in there. And I tell that uh, Kai, your wife there, she just kind of looked at me and they're thinking, okay. Should I I tell them? (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, and I instantly do something. Well, maybe they don't want um, your, 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 your two sons, which are magnificent. I appreciate that. They're magnificent good. kids. They're I mean, they showed me their artwork, their handiwork that they had built things, yeah, and talked to me about cars, working on cars. And I told him, I said, Man, they get about eighteen, twenty one years old. I'm gonna need somebody to drive my ass around. I'm gonna <laughs> steal one of them boys and come and go on adventures with oh, me. Yeah. But uh, I truly enjoyed uh seeing them and uh what they were capable of doing cool. and uh, i can tell that you spent a great amount of time with them you yeah. and your wife and uh, that would pay dividends
0: forever i appreciate oh, that i really do they're 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 good boys and um, i'm i'm not a very prideful person but i'm i'll i'll admit that I'm, I'm proud of those boys they're 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 good they're good and they should be proud
1: of you i appreciate and they are that. i appreciate it yeah they are
0: they're, they they they're sweethearts they're
1: they're good boys they are good boys and i don't know how your wife could put up with you and your dog back <laughs> other than then she's a dog person herself yeah <laughs> she is oh she's so good about it all she's un- unbelievable <laughs> uh, she's
0: uh yeah puts up puts up with all all my baloney and uh yeah but it's like you know it's like i told her yesterday la- last night after after you gone down i said i really you know just wanted to let her know i appreciated that i you know she's so good about me just dropping everything and go, you know, going away for five, six days and, you know, hunting hounds and keep bringing new, you know, new dogs into the, into the house and stuff like that. And she's like, you know what? You're not an alcoholic. You don't cheat on me. You don't have a gambling problem. You don't wail on me or the kids. Occasionally you bring puppies into the house. If that's your worst quality, I, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's like, well, <laughs> I suppose I didn't think of it that way
1: yeah that's but, great. It great that is great
0: yeah she's a good uh she she's a good egg i'm lucky i got lucky there
1: yes you did yes i did and a good cook with uh, cathead biscuits and yep. uh moose sausage gravy yeah she uh that was
0: something she wanted to be good at and when i finally figured out that uh figured out that recipe for the for the sausage um she's just not looked back for a second it's been uh It's it's just gone. Uh, yeah. Makes that not infrequently at least, you know, a couple times a month, we'll have biscuits and gravy. And it's one of my, one of my all time favorite meals. Absolutely. One of my all time favorite meals, but yeah, to get, to get back to the moose thing. So we, when I got home from work, you guys told me about that. So I called the local, uh, game warden because that moose died on our, like my hunting in, in my hunting terrain. And, um, Which was, you know, fine, but I I just wanted to let him know that there was a moose down and that it wasn't us that it, that had done anything. Like we didn't know what was, what was going on. Um, so he asked if we could come up and show him where it was. So Kevin and I drove back up there and, uh, Kevin showed us where, where it was. And he called in some forensic guys, some uh, like wildlife forensic, uh, investigators, which I thought was, I didn't even know Norway had. And, uh. They opened it up and found a bunch of hemorrhaging on the one side and a bunch of broken ribs and some ruptured things on the inside, but no out, like on the outside, no immediate cause of death. Um, so they started to call around to the, to the local communities and went farther and farther out and about 10 miles from where that moose finally died. They found out that was it two days earlier? Two, I think I he think said so. two days yes. earlier, uh, somebody had hit a four point bull moose with their truck and it had jumped up and run off seemingly uninjured, according to the guy who hit it. And his truck wasn't all that banged up. So they just assumed that he just kind of, you know, bumped it a little bit and that it had gone off. But he had actually done quite a bit of damage. But that moose ran all the way from the valley bottom. Like, you know a thousand over a thousand feet of elevation gain all the way up to the top of the mountains about 10 miles before it expired which is unbelievable i mean just unbelievably tough animals um so that was that was really interesting i've not i've not experienced anything like that and when we when you guys found the moose it had just died like it was like within the last few hours it was still warm right you could still feel the warmth down on its shoulders and uh yeah, that was, that was interesting. You don't see that every day. And then, yeah, no, we went out the day after and did a little bit of moose hunting. Didn't see anything apart from some beautiful Norwegian scenery. The fun's not over yet. We're only about halfway here, which is, uh, uh in terms of your trip. So we're going to try and, uh, get out after some hair, see if we can't find a caper cayley or two. And some sprouse, uh, spruce grouse, and give our give another shot at some roe deer, and, and maybe a moose again. We'll see. And then, uh, but yeah, we'll. Uh, I think we'll probably do a couple of these as as new experiences come along. And and uh, the the fox hunting part was that was a ton of fun. I think for both for both of us, and it's something that's near and dear to my my heart. Just uh, you know, and you you said you talked a little bit, Eric, about the, the 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 positive effects of of like common sense predator control.
1: Yes, that's one thing that uh, I asked him. What? Because I could tell that this was Eric's stomping grounds. Yeah, <clears throat> he knew every nook and cranny. He did. <laughs> I think he told me he had landmarks somewhere around two to 300 den yep, sites. Yep. That's right. Over there. Yep. And when he told me that I knew immediately two things, he was proud that he had located those den sites. And that he was a true outdoorsman houndsman that knew his territory much better than probably anybody around to have located that many den sites. Yeah. So I asked him, I says, what, what, what effects have you seen with your uh, um, emphasis on taking the fox uh, out of the um, environment where mm-hmm. uh, you hunt? He says, I see uh, more game birds mm-hmm. are, are present, and we saw three Capricali
0: mm-hmm.
1: males. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. My mouth was drooling. (laughs) My mouth was drooling, and I kept telling myself, I'm here for the fox hunting Mm -hmm. with the dogs. And we saw three of those big males uh, out getting gravel uh, crossing the road. And then yesterday you pointed out a bird that I had never, ever seen a picture of. It was very large. And then you told me that is a female capra cowling. Yep. In there. And we saw that, um, saw some, um, the, the Swedish woodcock, mm-hmm. I don't know the name for it, but Eric was telling me yep. about, about that bird. Yeah,
0: It's, I mean, it's the, it, it's a Swedish, uh, woodcock. Yes. That's
1: exactly what it, I mean, same and exact bird. Yes. Saying that, um, due to you guys, Joining the European Union, it was a, a species that was no longer able to hunt, That's mm-hmm. what he told me. That's right. I <clears throat> saw some uh, black grouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on an early morning post um, um, waiting for, hopefully the fox would run down the game path. And I saw three birds very high up in the air. First thing I thought, I was at, by the edge of a lake. Um mm-hmm. uh, they were flying very high and uh I thought they were ducks. But then I got to look at their shape and how they were flying. And they I asked Gary I said, Yeah, those were black grouse. Evidently the dogs had jumped them up or something on the next ridge over right. yep, come yep, over. Yep, yep, So um like I said, I witnessed the game birds in the area um being prevalent. We saw one uh northern um uh, a hare. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep, North, yep. Northern mountain hare. Northern mountain mm-hmm. hare, that's right. And uh one giant squirrel that I thought was maybe a marten or yeah. a fisher or something in a road Because I was, in my mind, you had told me about the small pine squirrels that we had. And I'd heard some of those barking. I didn't see them. But but I saw that giant squirrel. And you said it was something probably comparable to a fox squirrel. I think time. so, yeah. yeah. it looked every bit of that big. So uh, um, <clears throat> woodcock, black grouse, capercaillie um uh, the squirrel the roe deer um
0: you saw some golden eagles fly some, up yes yeah, some golden uh, eagles off uh, of uh off of some moose bones
1: yeah. so and the little songbird yeah the european chickadee <laughs> yeah yeah which was very uh human friendly yeah that I, even out in the woods they would come come next to me yeah and um that's what i love about hunting and visiting places to see species uh that uh Some are directly related to uh, animals that we have back home, Mm -hmm. and then so some so far away that it doesn't even compare. It's hard, it's hard to, uh, yeah. And we're pretty sure that we saw a lynx cross the road. That's right. Yeah, that was uh,
0: that was right here, neck, you know, but not far from the house. There's a family group that's been walking along the valley side, and on our way back from that introduction hunt, we uh, something ran across the road that. If I'd been in Maine, I wouldn't have hesitated to say that was a bobcat, but it was a little smaller than a lynx. But there's a family group, so there's a mom with kittens walking around over here. So I'm, I'm thinking we saw one of the kittens. Uh, yes, I agree with you.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, go across the road, a, which that is, was that was most
0: likely a, a, a
1: small lynx. Yeah,
0: which I mean, uh, we've got them on the cam on a on a camera the day afterwards, within you know a mile of there. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that's I'm sure that that's what it was. But yeah, really, really. That was exciting. I mean, people go, I know people who've lived here their whole lives that have never seen one.
1: Uh, The ravens we see and the uh, magpies. Yep. Magpies, bunches of those. (laughs) So that, uh, but like I said, I'm well aware. I mean, that's what makes me tick is to see all these animals that I can't even hunt. Yeah. You know, to see those and be able to identify them, to know their habitat, their sound, whatever, and uh, their presence. Yeah. The outdoors.
0: Yeah. Oh, it, it doesn't get any better. It really doesn't get any better. And, we're only halfway, so we'll, uh, I think maybe we'll do a couple more of these, uh, talk about our, our adventures as we, as we have them. And, uh, but I, yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. I, I think it's cool. You took the chance to come out and sl- smash around in the forests of Norway and Sweden. And I think, uh, it's more fun to be had. So let's, uh, take off the podcast stuff and go and see what we can find for fun.
1: Yes all right i would bet on you anytime
0: bear (laughs) i appreciate that kevin all right my friend we'll uh we'll do another update here in a few days
1: looking forward to it all right man i love that
0: sound